0: folks welcome to pickaxe and roll brought to you by superbook sports i'm your host ryan blackburn at nba blackburn on twitter part of the mile high sports podcast network and i'm excited to do a little mailbag today as we get into uh some of this discussion this is going to be the fourth podcast that i've recorded this week obviously recorded a couple after each of the houston games i recorded one in between gosh what did i even cover on that one i can't even remember but uh, on this particular podcast, I went to the mailbag. I wanted to sh- ask some, uh, to ask people to ask me some questions so I could get some input. What do people want to hear about right now? What do people want to know about the Denver Nuggets? What are the questions? I don't have all the answers. I-, I never try to pretend to have all of the answers. I know that there are people that know the game just as well, if not better than I do. And so I don't want to just default and say like yeah, hey, my answers on these are uh, what you should think. They're just my personal opinions. they are my uh, beliefs, whether they are rooted in fact or if it's more of just a, a narrative kind of thing uh, that's that's neither here nor there but you know I try to put in a lot of work on a lot of stuff and a variety of questions came through on rotation questions, something that I feel very comfortable with answering so, I'll focus heavily on those specifically. I'm only going to do two segments. First one, we're going to go mailbag, just just a whole bunch of different mailbag questions. Second segment, we're going to go deep on the rotation I because I, I have some thoughts. I have some things that I think kind of sprouted from some of the questions that I heard earlier today. So let's get into this, but we got to start out with a fun one here. Good friend of the program, Jeff Morton asks, what are your thoughts on Stromboli? And for anybody that is confused as to why that is a question, uh, last night, I apparently got into it with a fan of the Houston Rockets, specifically a Turkish fan that was not happy that I compared Alper- Alperun Shangun with Enes Cantor, And for the second time, I, I have been insulted with ravioli. And like I, I don't understand why that's come up. The first time it was ravioli dealer. Second time uh, last last night it was ravioli muncher. I don't know what it is about Italian uh, pasta dishes that are really just just showing up here right now. What it is about ravioli specifically? But uh, big fan of Stromboli, Jeff. That's a uh, that's one of those that I haven't had in a long time, but I would definitely go out of my way to get some Stromboli. That sounds pretty good. Hey, birthday's coming up pretty soon, folks, on Saturday, so I need, I need a, a Stromboli at, at some point. That sounds pretty good. Uh, let's get serious, though. Uh, Ashish John Thomas asks, should the Nuggets prioritize winning by playing their brand of basketball to get the highest seed possible? Or should they try to win in different ways and and just kind of work on different things to become more playoff savvy, even if you sacrifice some wins along the way? This is kind of the age-old question, right? This is one of those where different teams at different stages, I think, can do things different ways. With Denver, they have, I think you feel pretty comfortable about what their foundation is. You know that it's going to be Nikola Jokic running two-man game with Jamal Murray. You're going to have Nikola Jokic post up. He's going to run pick and pop. He's going to run pick and roll. He's going to run DHO with Jamal. And those guys, that is the bread and butter. That is what you work on. If you spammed that for the entire season and just didn't really go that far out of the way for much other things, like maybe you work on some other high value actions here or there, then sure, I agree with you. You could definitely probably get a top one, top two seed just doing that. But I sort of fall on the side of what the Milwaukee Bucks did back in 2021, where they decided to work on some things. They decided to experiment with a little bit more of a switching defense as opposed to the traditional drop coverage that they had been using with Brooke Lopez. And as it turns out, They needed to be able to switch. They needed to be able to work on some of those things where you put Drew Holiday in situations where he can succeed more. You use P.J. Tucker back then, and and that that gave them a lot of opportunities and a lot of different options against a team like the Phoenix Suns in the NBA Finals. And they were able to win like that as a result, with Giannis putting up 50, mostly next to P.J. Tucker as opposed to Brook Lopez. So it is a good point. And it's one that I think Denver specifically has to always be thinking about, where yes, you can win. You can put up wins ad nauseum. If you just work on playing with the starters together, maximizing the minutes that the starters play, you don't necessarily stagger as much. You just emphasize what's really working well, and then you try to mitigate problems with the bench. Unfortunately, that doesn't really give you a whole bunch. It, it doesn't really solve issues. It just kind of reduces them. And Denver may never be able to solve some of the issues that are facing them when it comes to when Nikola Jokic is off the floor. But what I do like about what Michael Malone has done this year is he's tried a whole bunch of different things. He's tried playing Michael Porter with the second unit, Jamal Murray with the second unit, Bones Highland's been out there, Christian Brown has been out there, Zeke Nagy has been out there, but also your notable suspects like a Jeff Green, like a DeAndre Jordan. Vladko is now getting some run. There's a lot of different things that, he, that Michael Malone has gone to. And despite the fact that none of it's really worked yet, I feel a lot more comfortable knowing that it isn't just going to come down to whether Zeke Naji can handle his business. Vladko Chanchar is somebody that the Nuggets can turn to at various points now. And that's really cool. Um, I do think that. There are still some issues that you have to figure out. Denver uh, clearly has not figured out what the best bench lineups are. We're going to get into that in the second segment more. But I do like that Denver's trying different things. You don't just want to play one thing, one rotation, and then wait for that rotation to be broken by some other team in the playoffs. Denver will be in trouble if they fall into that trap. The best thing that they can do is play different guys in different situations and try to develop some good habits and also some good knowledge of how to play with other players rather than just relying on playing with Nikola Jokic and hoping that he takes them home. So I think you're right that if the choice is between, let's say, 58 wins at the one seed or 52 wins and the three seed, but you are clearly in a good spot, uh, and you know who you are, or let's say you know what's not the solution now, as opposed to having questions about it, it's better to know than to not know going into the playoffs. So I would take fewer wins if that was the case. Michael Shields asks, now that the roster is deeper, does it seem like Michael Malone is letting go of his more rigid tendencies? For example, staggering starters more, matching up with DJ and Zeke, et cetera. Uh, it's very similar to the last one, but yes, I, I do think that this is kind of the this is kind of what you're getting at. It's not necessarily, hey, we're going to latch onto whatever works. We are going to try. We're going to figure things out. It's going to be a process. One of the reasons why I think Michael Malone is going to a bunch of different things is because I don't know if he knows the answer. I actually feel pretty strongly that he doesn't know the answer and that he's still trying to figure out how best to navigate this bench lineup, what to look for. Also, he just hasn't had a healthy starting lineup for a long time. Those guys have been healthy for about 11 of the first 21 games or so, having the full starting five. So you haven't necessarily been able to uh, run the same lineups that you want to. Consistently and get a really solid sample size. So, would it be a little bit different if Denver was winning and they found a situation that they really liked and you just don't want to mess with something? Maybe. But I do think that you know that various guys are going to have to get back into the flow of things. So, sometimes you just have to play to win the game and that might mean playing different players. And I've Been on this for a while that I do not think that one set bench rotation is the right call for this Nuggets team because they have a lot of guys, like in spots eight through 14 or so in the rotation, that are all about the same. Like they just play different positions and they play different roles, but they're all about the same talent in terms of how capable they are as a player. So there are different situations for different skill sets and Michael Malone is pushing a lot of different buttons. He's not getting caught up in who the best 8 or 9 guys are, which I think is fair. Chef Baldwin asks, "How can the Nuggets keep Bruce Brown in the offseason?" It's a great question. I don't really have the answer for this. I have thoughts as to what they could try, but the real issue that the Nuggets are facing with Bruce Brown is not that they can't pay, or it's not that they're they're choosing not to pay Bruce Brown when it comes to this offseason. It's that if he's offered a certain number, then Denver legally cannot offer more. That's because when Denver signs somebody for a one-year deal, all that they can do is give a 120% raise off of what the previous salary was. So this year, Bruce Brown is making, I think, like six and a half million or something like that. So the maximum that Denver can offer in next offseason is about 8.2 million in that first season. And then you can offer, I think, 20% raises every year beyond that, up to a four-year deal. So you are going actually, is that that is that, that number? Yes, it is. So Denver can offer basically a four year, $40 million contract to Bruce Brown next offseason. Do I think that he's worth more than that? Yes. Yes, I do. If I had to ballpark how much Bruce Brown is worth, I would guess about 12 to 14 million annually. He's not quite starter level in terms of the kind of player that he is and the kind of skill set that he has, but. He is a necessary rotation piece, which is, I think, in that general range. Now, starter money is now going up to about 17, 18 million a year, is kind of the threshold now. 12 to 14 million per year, I think, is a very fair price for a sixth man in general. But it might even be more. And teams might decide, hey, we like Bruce Brown enough that we want to pay him to be our starter. Denver wouldn't be paying them to be their starter. So, the max that they could really give realistically or want to give realistically is probably about, we'll say, four years, $50 million, somewhere around there. But the max that Denver can actually offer is about four years, $40 million. This is a conversation, obviously, for another day in terms of how Denver can get this done. But the easiest way for them to actually get it done is to have Bruce Brown opt into his contract next year. And then Denver can offer him up to what is basically the full MLE in contract money. They can give him full MLE in which this last year would have been about four years, 40. In a couple seasons from now, in that, uh, in that perspective offseason, it might be up to four years, 50 million based off of what the contract money is going to look like. So that's probably the right call in general is to opt in. And do what the LA Clippers did with Nicholas Batum, where he opted into a number that wasn't necessarily like requisite with his value back in the 2021 offseason, if I'm not mistaken. And then 2022 rolls around and he gets a four-year contract, and they kind of make up for it. They kind of they pay him because they were going to pay him in advance like they they made that promise the previous offseason. So that's probably somewhere what you're looking at with, with Bruce Brown, but I think it's probably about that money. It's about that four years, 50 million number is what he would be looking for. And he deserves it. He has clearly earned that. He has grown his game to a level where it's clear that he fits well in Denver. Would he be doing the same thing on another team? I don't know. This is a really good fit, but what I will say is that there will probably be a team that takes a chance on him if they can. So uh, hopefully Denver can hold on to him is all I'll say. A few more questions here before we hit a break. Uh, Roger asks, Ish Smith and Bruce Brown are keepers, but with all of the max contracts, could you picture a trade to dump salary? Uh, not really. And here's why. I don't think that Denver has a hard and fast limit in terms of what they want to spend. Some of what they can spend is contract related, like having the max contracts limits what they can offer on the open market. But in terms of re-signing their players, they'll have bird rights on on some of these guys. Not on Bruce Brown, unless he opts into his deal and then you do a contract next year. But with Ish Smith, he's a – veteran third point guard. That's who he is. You can get guys like that, and you should not invest too much money in your third point guard. That's just like Denver has cycled between Faku Camposo and now to Ish Smith in terms of the kinds of players that they need to have as their backup one. Denver can find another guy like that. It might be Colin Gillespie for all we know. We don't know what it's going to look like. It's been great that it's Ish Smith, don't get me wrong. Uh, If Denver can retain him for a reasonable number, then they should. But I don't think the max contracts are really precluding them from that. And as I mentioned with Bruce Brown, it's not the max contracts that are preventing him from getting the money. It's literally the contract rules in terms of if Denver's over the cap, then there are certain things that they can't give when it comes to players like a Bruce Brown. Now, if they were to trade and get under the salary cap, then they could give Bruce Brown more money. But what you're talking about there is trading Michael Porter and trading Aaron Gordon and trading KCP, and you're left with Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Bruce Brown. That's not what you want. Like Denver's at this stage where they're staying expensive and they're keeping the guys that they want to. The only thing that you can really talk me into – in that situation is like swapping out a Michael Porter or an Aaron Gordon or a KCP for somebody else that might fit better. I'm not sure if there are a lot of players that are like that. Uh, speaking of which, Kootsie 20 uh, nice name, uh, with how well the team has gelled lately with Aaron Gordon and Bruce Brown balling out, is Michael Porter Jr. becoming expendable? I don't think so. I can understand why people might think that, I don't really think so, and here's why. Denver has a specific way that they can play with those guys. They are running Jokic-style offense where you're spreading the ball around, you are having a lot of success against some of these bad teams. And yet, it's very possible that this doesn't work against the teams like Boston or, I don't know, Golden State. Or Phoenix, or teams of that nature. It might work. I think it's probably going to work, but it might not. And so with Michael Porter, you have a player that might not be the perfect fit for what you're doing, and he might be a bit superfluous with what you need, but he's the guy that kind of pushes you over the top in terms of, hey, we have this other formula that's working that can get us to the dance. Now you have Michael Porter who can hit six threes in a game in a NBA Finals game and win you that game on the margins because of that. Denver can't just give that up. If they were to give it up, then maybe there are some players that they could find that that would fit a little bit better. I'm not sure who those guys are though. And if you're talking about like, if he's becoming strictly expendable, then what you're talking about is a salary dump, not necessarily like finding a different player that fits well. Because I'm not sure what Denver needs other than what Michael Porter provides as a floor spacer and as a as an athletic big target for Nikola Jokic. Having him is helpful. And honestly, Denver plays really, really well when he's out there. There are certain matchups where he's not going to do well. I think that the Phoenix and the Golden State matchups are at least a little bit concerning. However, you don't know it until you try it. And Denver's got to try it first. And now they have other pieces that you can go to in different situations if he doesn't work. But I'm not really willing to go that far. I want to see this thing play out. Uh, I don't remember who asked this question, but I didn't list the name, so I apologize. But other than injuries, what's the thing that could send Denver's season sideways? Um... I do think it's probably the integration of MPJ and Bones and figuring out what the lineups are without Nikola Jokic. That's the thing that has always really bothered me in terms of, okay, what can you actually fully rely upon? What is your key thing that you are going to go to? And I have to imagine that the answer, ultimately, without Nikola Jokic on the floor, is Jamal Murray playing next to Bones Highland and Bruce Brown, and you get two other bigs or forwards that can play next to them too. Maybe it's Aaron Gordon staggering with the second unit. Maybe it's Jeff Green, Zeke Nagy, Vlaco Chanchar. Maybe it's even DeAndre Jordan. But in all likelihood, you are playing Jamal and Bones together. Those guys will take turns running offense, and they will have a couple of nice creators that can get their own shot whenever they need to, whether it's in isolation or in pick and roll. And that's probably what you're looking for. I don't know if that's going to go well. And if it doesn't go well, then that will probably be what sinks Denver. But in all honesty, you could also say the defense with everything that's going on. Denver still hasn't figured out how to play defense yet. You could say a lot of different things, but Ultimately, I will always think about the non-Nikola Jokic minutes and wonder what Denver's going to do. They don't have an answer quite yet. And then last one here. Bucket Since88 asks, would you be looking to aggressively upgrade this roster, or are you confident that the Nuggets have everything they need to contend? Um as somebody who like I, I am always looking to build the roster to be the best that it could be. I would never sit on my hands idly and say, yeah, there's nothing we can do to get better. And I I say we, it's the Denver Nuggets. Uh, There's nothing the Denver Nuggets can do to get better. In my mind, the thing that Denver needs in all likelihood is to solidify that backup big man spot. Whatever it is, it could be the four or the five, but they need somebody that's capable of playing the five when Nikola Jokic is off the floor. And if that's Vladko, great. If it's Jeff Green, great. If it's Zeke Nagy, great. I don't think it's DeAndre Jordan, especially when it comes down to a playoff environment where teams are really scouting. And there are going to be some other answers to to be had. But I do think that in the backcourt, you're probably going with some combination of Bones, Bruce Brown, Ish Smith. Christian Brown can work in on the wings, Davon Reed can work in on the wings, going with forwards. Zeke Nagy, Vlako-Chanchar can fit in there depending on whether Aaron Gordon's playing or Michael Porter's playing or uh, who, who else. But I think the five is where you're still having some questions. Who is that going to be that fulcrum when Nikola Jokic sits? And if Denver can answer that question on this roster, then great. If not, I would still be looking for it. So when we come back. I will be expanding upon that and talking about what the rotation is that I see. We'll be right back. All right, we're back, pickaxe and roll, Ryan Blackburn here, thank you so much everybody for tuning in. Let's talk briefly about your friends over at Superbook Sports. They are bringing Vegas-style wagering to the palm of your hands, and now they'll match 100% of your first bet up to $1,000, no matter if that bet wins or loses. You don't have to be at the stadium to enjoy football, the arena to enjoy basketball or hockey. Just visit Superbook.com or download the Superbook Colorado app right now and start getting it on all of the action. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions, Gambling problem? Call one All five two two four seven hundred. All right, let's go to the second segment. This will be the last segment. I don't. I, I realize the first one went pretty long, and I think this one will probably go reasonably long. Maybe not too excessively, but I want to expand upon the rotation. I got several questions about the rotation. This is my specialty. This is what I like to do. I do the rotation charts, obviously, and I think that's what a lot of people know me for now. So. It's pretty fascinating that that has evolved into that. But Chad Shell, Yotam Sutri, I had Ben Marsh, who I'm going to answer his question on the Nuggets AMA tomorrow with Kim Becker. Make sure to go follow that. Go look for that on the MHS uh, Twitter Twitter, uh, handle. That's what I'm looking for. I was going to say channel. I was going to say something else. But either way, those guys all asked, Assuming everyone stays healthy, do you have a projection for what the playoff rotation could likely be? And so this is what everybody's building towards, right? And this is always what you have to be thinking about when you're talking about the Nuggets and you're talking about, okay, so you're going to get there. I don't think anybody's questioning as to whether Denver's going to be a top seed in the West. I think it's pretty clear that they have answered those questions. And even without trying too terribly hard, They're 14 and seven and they'll probably falter at some points here or there, but they're on pace for about 55 wins. And I think that they'll probably end up around 55 wins if I had to guess. So that will project to about a two, three or four seed, probably not the one, but somewhere in that vicinity. But then the fun starts and you start to play with rotations a little bit. You start to think, okay, who is actually going to be contributing in a playoff context? And I think the starters are going to be the same. I think you've got Jamal Murray, KCP, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, and Nicole Jokic. That's the plan. That is what the Nuggets are going to try to do. They're going to enter as long as everybody's healthy, knock on wood. As long as everybody's healthy, Denver is going to try to enter the playoffs with those guys as the starting lineup. And they will probably try to play those guys all about 35 minutes a night. Jamal Murray is moving in that direction in terms of workload. Michael Porter is two. His minutes have been higher, uh, at least initially, dealing with the left heel injury right now, but he'll come back. He's, He's fine. Michael Porter, of late, has been kind of out of sight, out of mind for Denver's most recent success, and I think that there's definitely a little bit of. Uh, Forgetfulness in terms of Nuggets fans and what Michael Porter was doing at the beginning of the year and how great he was. It's been 21 games. It's still so early in terms of what the Nuggets are going to be looking for, what they're trying to evolve into. But one thing I do believe is that that's the starting lineup that Denver's wanting to use, and they will get back to that at some point. All of those guys are going to play. It's going to be very good. The lineup itself right now is averaging like plus 15 points per 100 possessions, which is fantastic. How many lineups can really say that? Very few. So, you're going to let it play out. You're going to at least try that. Then, primary rotation piece is Bruce Brown. I think Bruce Brown's in line to play about 30 plus minutes. He might get up to about 35. He might finish games for Denver. Even if he plays the fir- like like he, he comes in at like the six minute mark of the first quarter, he might play from six minutes to halftime, and then from six minutes in the third quarter to the end of the game. There will be times where he does that and plays all 36 minutes. There will be times where Michael Porter comes back in and then Bruce Brown maybe plays 30 minutes or 26 minutes, or maybe he gets into foul trouble and plays 22. But for the most part, I think he's going to be about 30. So if I have the starters each playing about on average 35, where maybe Jokic plays 38 Murray plays 37, Gordon plays 34, KCP plays 37, and then MPJ plays 32. All those guys playing about 35 minutes or so. Bruce Brown playing about 30. That right there, those six, is 205 minutes. 205. A full game in a full rotation has 240, so that leaves 35 for everybody else, at least in theory. Denver, because they have some good lineups where you can play Bruce Brown in place of Murray, you can play him in place of Porter, you could play him in place of KCP, you could play him in place of Aaron Gordon and be perfectly fine. Bruce Brown can play all of those positions, and Denver has enough versatility that they can shift those guys around pretty much no issue. So, Denver's going to be able to stagger. They are going to be able to play. Murray with the second unit, Porter with the second unit, Gordon with the second unit. Whatever they want to try, they can do those things. And so you have these different combinations, and you're going to be able to comfortably play all of those guys at at least 200 total minutes. So you're going to leave about 35, maybe 40 to everyone else in theory. Bones will be part of things. I do think that he's one of those guys. It's been forgotten over the course of these first. Twenty games or so. He hasn't really played that much. But when he's on, he can save the team. He can do some things that very few players on the team can And his floor spacing and creativity, his ability to take away attention from some of the other guys is very important. He'll have to be out there. And so I would expect him to play about 15 to 20 minutes a night. It might be a smaller role than people might expect, but 15 to 20 minutes is fine. And then you're probably playing one other primary forward or big man, one guy. So you've got an eight-man rotation. That's about 230 to 235 minutes, maybe 240. Maybe you get all the way up there. You just stagger two starters all, all throughout the entire game. I don't think that's what's going to happen, but it's possible. Denver has the athletes and the versatility to try that. But what that means to me is that the one other player that you are playing in those situations that plays about 15 minutes, that player has to be versatile and they have to be good. And so Denver has a variety of candidates right now that I think you could try in that situation. Jeff Green, probably the leading candidate. Somebody who you could play next to Aaron Gordon and Nikola Jokic, play a little bit bigger. You could play Jeff Green at the five off the bench, play him next to Michael Porter at the four or Aaron Gordon, somebody like that. You could play him at the four next to Nikola Jokic, and then maybe you have Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon staggering with the second unit in playoff context. Denver can try that. They could go with Vlako Chanchar, who has been the first man off the bench of late and that's a good option. I'm not sure if it's a great option, but it's at least good, and he's proven to be good in this context. Before the season, I think that Zeke Naji was the guy that everybody thought could get into that situation and be pretty good as a nominal backup four and backup five. If I had to predict who gets it, I would say Zeke Naji right now. However, Jeff Green's probably the leading candidate in-house. I think he's probably the guy that everybody believes would do that. I don't think DeAndre Jordan is quite the right guy to play as this primary big man off the bench because you can't play DeAndre Jordan next to Nikola Jokic. So would you play DeAndre Jordan as the ninth man? And maybe you have whoever the eighth man is that I'm talking about here. Maybe they play a little bit less time. Maybe it's Blacko and DeAndre Jordan. Maybe it's Jeff Green and DeAndre Jordan. Maybe it's Zeke Nagy and DeAndre Jordan. Maybe it's none of those guys. Maybe it's Christian Brown. Maybe you need a little bit of a different situation out there. So you go Christian Brown as that other forward, and you play him as kind of that, that nominal backup three, and then you're always playing one of Michael Porter or Aaron Gordon at the four. That could also be fine. Or maybe it's... I don't know. Maybe it's Jeff Green. Either way, Denver's in this situation right now where I'm not sure who the best candidates are. I can tell you seven guys that will be in the rotation Bones, Bruce, and the starters. Whoever the eighth man is in that group, whoever the ninth man is in that group, whether it's if you need more ball handling and savvy and it's Ish Smith, or if you need more perimeter defense and it's Christian Brown maybe need just a versatile wing, and it's Davon Reed. Maybe need more switching defense and somebody who's a little bit bigger, and it's Vlacko or Zeke Nagy. The starters will stagger as necessary, and you can get creative with the lineups that you put out there. But I do think that if I'm looking at what Denver has, you've got a six-foot-four guard in Jamal Murray. You've got a six-foot-four guard in Bruce Brown, six-foot-five at KCP, Bones Highland is 6'2, 6'3. Any smaller for sure. You've got Aaron Gordon at 6'8, Michael Porter at 6'10, Nikola Jokic at 6'11, 7'. You probably need another person who's about 6'8, 6'9, 6'10 out there just to mix in and make sure you have another versatile piece that can play the 5, but also can switch onto the 5s if necessary. Now, Teams always go smaller in general. Lineups around the NBA will get smaller when it comes to the playoffs. And everything will be matchup dependent. Like, for example, Jeff Green, probably not a great matchup against the Golden State Warriors. He doesn't stay attached that well to what a team like the Warriors will do. And he can't really switch in those contexts as well. But he would be solid, Jeff Green would, against a team like the New Orleans Pelicans. Where you need somebody who can physically match up with Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram, can guard them one on one a little bit, but also doesn't necessarily have to and can play on a guy like uh, Larry Nance Jr. or somebody of that nature. You can put him on Trey Murphy and he'll be fine. Like Jeff Green will do his job if he's guarding Trey Murphy, but then if he has to switch on to a star, then he can do that. Christian Brown. Probably needs to be out there against a team like Golden State, where you need high IQ, switchable defenders. That is Christian Brown. That's just what he does. And if Denver doesn't have him out there in that situation, I think that's a big mistake. Bones Highland, though he's very talented, is going to be hunted on defense at times. Players like Luka Doncic of the Dallas Mavericks or Devin Booker of the Phoenix Suns, they are going to go after. Bones Highland. Whether they're successful or not, I don't know. But I can tell you that that is going to be part of the game plan for those guys. And so maybe Bones plays a little bit less in some of those matchups where you have players that are just mismatch hunters. The Warriors aren't necessarily a mismatch hunting team. Um, Who else isn't a mismatch hunting team? I'm trying to think. I don't know, maybe the Blazers would be fine in that situation. They don't really hunt mismatches like like a Bones. And Bones if he's if he can't hold up against Damian Lillard or Anthony Simons, then like that I think that says more about Bones, honestly. But we're going to see. We're going to see a lot of these different options. As I mentioned, I think the one position that Denver's not really comfortable with quite yet Is that backup forward slash big man that you can really like this is the guy that you want to operate around on the second unit. Somebody who will run a lot of pick and roll DHOs can be very comfortable in that situation. And maybe he can also anchor a defense. Some guys can't. Some guys will be will definitely struggle in that context. But I do think that Denver could find a guy like a Kelly Olynyk, who would be great on the offensive end. Just a great switchable piece, somebody who can attack mismatches, but also just very comfortable in different situations where he's picking and popping, where he's posting up, and where he's spacing the floor and doing the right things, getting out of the way when necessary. Mason Plumley, I think Denver Nuggets fans would probably be having mixed feelings about somebody like him, but he would be very helpful when it comes to operating from the high post and running pick and roll and being a short roller in something like that. Jakob Pertl of the San Antonio Spurs? I don't think he's in their long-term plans. I think they would probably rather have a French big man named Victor Wembanyama at that spot that they can develop. Would they be willing to trade Jakob Purtle at the deadline? Somebody that can back up Nikola Jokic? when necessary. Maybe you're looking for a Daniel Gafford or an Andre Drummond or somebody like that who a little bit more of a, just a traditional pick and roll man, somebody that can dive to the rim, do what DeAndre Jordan's doing right now, but maybe doing it a little better on both ends of the floor. Maybe that's what the goal is. I don't know. I don't know what Denver's going to be looking for. That is what I would be considering if I were them. Denver may not have the assets in order to get that, they also just might decide that they don't need it, that they're probably going to play Jeff Green at the five or Aaron Gordon at the five, or they'd rather take their chances with Vlatko or Zeke at the five as opposed to playing traditionally with DeAndre. But we'll see. We will see what Michael Malone wants. We'll see over the course of these next 2025 20, games what the Nuggets ultimately need, because I think that changes this discussion a lot. But right now, I think you've got the starters. I think you've got Bruce Brown, Bones Highland, and a lot of questions after that. We'll see whether there are some answers in the near future. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I appreciate all the love and support on the podcast, as always. I'll be back recapping the Friday night game against the Atlanta Hawks. Should be fun. Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, no John Collins, no DeAndre Hunter. Denver still, like, I think they catch a break here in terms of some of those matchups, but we will see if they can take advantage of that. This is the first really competent team that Denver has faced since the Clippers. So we will see. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate it all. All the love and support. As always, we'll talk to you guys very soon.